This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Lease the 2024 RX 350 Premium All-Wheel Drive for $5.28 a month for 36 months with $49.99 to its signing. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st, 2024. Hey, listen, what in the world is good, everybody? Thank you all for tuning in. You're rocking with the boys over at Man to Man, where we create a conversation between girl problems, couch conversations, and basketball. This is your co-host, Andy Elliott. Alongside your co-host, Liam, the Hoop Star, Nash. Hoop Star, what up, dude? We're on Dash Radio, nothing but that channel. We're doing it again, damn it. You can also find us on all streaming and social platforms at man to man Podcast. Leave us a five-star review. Subscribe to our channel. But most importantly, share with your mom and get your damn merch. We got a super cool interview for you guys, so stick tuned with us. Guy that works at Overtime, Mike Kaufman. Once again, you're listening to Man to Man. We're on Dash Radio talking nothing but net with a young stud in the wall joining the boys today. And some might even say Dwayne Wade would throw him a perfect score in a dunk contest. Please welcome our guy overtime, Mikey Kaufman. Mike, shalom, my brother. How are you? Thanks for coming on. <laughs> shalom. I'm happy to be here, guys. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Without a doubt, we, Mike, are obviously big fans of the channel and super excited to sit down and chat with you about everything. But for our non-basketball fans out there, do you mind sharing what Overtime is? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, Overtime, it's really like the sports network for the next generation, right? Like we're, you know, we're all millennials here. We know how our parents consume sports, but this next generation, Gen Z, and even some of the younger millennials, I mean, even myself, like, we're starting to consume sports different. So overtime was created uh, in a sense to kind of cater to those viewers, right? People are watching less full games on live television. They're watching more highlights and they're more on social channels uh, and streaming platforms than they are watching, you know, traditional cable television. So, you know, we cover a number of sports on all the social platforms where the people are. And honestly, they consume a lot of our content on their mobile phone. Yeah, I was going to say it's pretty much if you guys aren't familiar with it, they make fire content of upcoming stars like Mike was saying and personalities. The guys that we've kind of come to learn about is like guys like Mikey Williams, Shaden Sharp, Jaden Bradley, and then guys who I guess we followed that are now in college in the league. Mac McClung, Jordan McCabe, obviously LaMelo Ball, who's now in the league. It's kind of just amazing to see that overtime has given these young and talented players a platform to showcase themselves. Uh, Mike, what kind of what do you do on like a day to day basis? And I guess what is your exact title at Overtime? Yeah, so so my exact title is uh, Senior Manager of Social Strategy and Distribution, which, you know, it's it's hard when you work at a startup, like it's hard to put a job title on things because you, you naturally just have to do a lot of different jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and my job has definitely evolved over the past four years. Um, and it's really been quite a, an amazing journey for me. Uh, but right now, like my day to day, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, I basically my main thing I'd say is I manage our social video editing team. So I manage a team of three different editors um, and pretty much everything you see across all of all of our shows, all of our verticals, like it's going through us and kind of like the strategy behind it. So it's like, 
you know, the way you distribute content on each platform is different. The way you like publish a show on YouTube, you know, you probably should reformat it, maybe use different parts, maybe have a different length for other, for, uh, for the other platforms. So it's kind of my job to oversee all that and execute on all those assets. And then, you know, I'm also on like our social team, which, you know, we're, you know, we're publishing, we have so many different uh, accounts now and we're curating some of the best like user generated content uh, across uh, around the world. Um, so, you know, I, I see myself as a leader on that team as well. And then also as talent, like we're in a lot, I'm, I'm also in t- as talent in a lot of our social shows uh, on, on Snapchat. I'm in, I'm in hype school and I'm on hot clock on Instagram. We had a, we had a reality TV show last summer called, or dang, it was two summers ago. I mean, this last year, it's been crazy, but it's called summer throne. And I kind of have my own social channels that I'm also trying to grow as well. Um, and honestly, there's so much more. I work with our apparel and lifestyle clothing brand, um, along with our subscription service overtime VIP. So it's, it's a lot, but I really like working on a lot of things and not being like put in a specific box. So it's, it's great for me. I get, I have a ton of energy, uh, to do all these different things. You just sound like some, a team of social media guru, gurus out there making uh house of Lamella look silly over there. Okay. I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's take a step back here. We got to know when did basketball, you know, become a part of your life and when did you become a, you know, a fan of the NBA to begin with? Yeah. So, um, so, I mean, I grew up like my dad was a big baseball guy. So like I was supposed to grow up and be this baseball player. Um, but it, it just, unfortunately I started watching, it was 2001. I'll never forget. Like I was watching, uh, Allen Iverson and the 76ers play against the Lakers in the NBA finals. And like, once I started to understand, like, wait a minute, like this guy, Allen Iverson, like, how did he get this team? And how is he in the finals against like Kobe and Shaq of like mm-hmm. the Lakers were like, the standard of like excellence. Uh, And then you got this like little scrappy, like six foot. I mean, he's not even six foot, 160 pound guy. (laughs) And, and I, I swear that's like what drew me in Allen Iverson. Um, Cause I was like, wait a minute. Like I can't really relate to Shaq or Kobe. Like I'm not going to be that big (laughs) or tall um, or whatever. And, you know, so once I saw that, like I was like all in. And then by 2003, like I was obsessed with the NBA, like, I was the kid that was like watching the all-star games, like taping the dunk contest, like on a VHS, like watching it like a hundred times after and stuff. So that was when I started to become obsessed with the NBA, but definitely got to give credit to Allen Iverson. What about your creative side then the social media portion of it? Did you, how did you get into that particularly? Was that also at a young age or when did that kind of, was that parallel with you in basketball? Yeah. So it's interesting. It's like, I started falling in love with the NBA and I started, you know, loving basketball and taking a lot of time and working on the craft, like on the driveway, I had a hoop uh, and I was always out there playing, but I did always have this creative side. Like, like I said, like I would tape the games. I would like, I'll never forget in middle school. Like I was editing videos, like downloading, like, I don't even know where I was downloading these highlights from. Like I would find websites with like highlights and I'd make like Kobe Bryant mixes and put like my favorite rap song on it. And like, I was like working on windows movie maker. So I was like, always like I it was like before the word content creator even existed I was being I was a content creator in my own way I'd make like desktop like wallpapers backgrounds uh on photoshop and like this is in middle school like being self-taught like not really know what I'm doing but like <laughs> right, I right. if I look back they probably were okay uh and then like and then it all ties back in with my playing career where um 
you know, my mom would come to all my games and film my games. And then I would cut up those things and edit my own highlight tapes and send them to college coaches and try to get recruited like that. And then later on, like when I was in college uh, and even before, like I, I would start uh, editing other people's highlight tapes to help them get recruited and make like $50, per highlight tape. And it's like, oh, it's my little side hustle. And like, I'm able to help right. these people out. Um, so it all kind of ties together. And then when I was in college, uh, I had, I got an internship at Harvard athlete for Harvard athletics. Um, and I was doing like YouTube recaps for like their football team. Um, and even at this point, like, I didn't even know I was going to work in sports media. I don't even think I knew like the jobs that existed. I was like, Oh, I guess I could work at a college and, and do this. So it's like, but I kind of just always followed the content creation organically, but never really put the time in, uh, because I was so busy with school and basketball. So it was always kind of like a half-baked thing for a while. Well, that's insane, man. When I was younger, I don't think I was thinking about cutting up videos or anything, Hoop. I was on AIM and Chat Roulette trying to find my next girlfriend. I should have taken a note <laughs> out of your book, dude. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I was on AIM. I was definitely on AIM after school, too. Uh, but, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I wanted to create, I think I always just wanted to create something that was mine. And like aesthetically, like I just love basketball, like like slow motion replays. Like I always cared about the angles. I cared about the dunks. Like to me, it was like, it was just a beautiful thing. Like, I, I don't know. And like, even I was so weird when I was a kid that like I'd play NBA 2K and like, I wanted to watch the replays. <laughs> like, like, like who wants to watch, like no one wants to watch the replays. I feel like, like we all, we kind of all did that though. If we had like a sick dunk or something, I don't know if you were getting the, like excessive with it or not. But I feel <laughs> no, like, but like but you ever play with someone and like your replay comes on and they're like, they like cancel through it. Yeah. It's like, no, I'm trying to watch that replay. Like I just made like a dope highlight. So uh, it's hilarious. So yeah. I've always, I've always been weird with that kind of stuff. Like I love, yeah. Like I love playing the game just as much as I love like watching the game or maybe creating something, uh, creating content through the game. So it's definitely interesting. I always had this creative artistic side uh, that I knew most basketball players didn't have. But I didn't really know like what it meant uh, right. until mm -hmm. after my playing days. Right. So, right. so we know you played in high school, obviously, and you talked about going um, into college and kind of trying to make a name for yourself. I also too played college basketball, um, but for me personally, it was a lot harder, at least, to um, go to where somewhere I might, you know, my first or second choice, right? Um, in terms of playing at a Division One or two or three level. Did you have any like experience um, or was it kind of smooth sailing to get to college or through high school? What was, take us through that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, growing up, like I had a pretty nice, a pretty great childhood, but basketball wise, nothing was easy or smooth sailing <laughs> for me ever. Playing, like on any level uh, one, like when I was in middle school, like halfway through middle school and then throughout high school, like I just kept breaking bones. Like I was just, Oh. I, broke, I broke like I no, literally like seventh through 11th grade I broke a bone every year wow. so and it was like it was just weird freak things like I had I did have a bad wrist injury I had surgery in eighth grade on my shooting wrist so like I was every year I'm either coming back from an injury or I'm injured right. <laughs> pretty much so so it's like maybe I would have been way better if I didn't get injured uh but it but it really tested like how much I love the game uh mm. And like, it, I never really thought about quitting. It was just about getting back. And while you're injured in a cast sideline, like, you know, you're pretty depressed as a kid. Cause that's all I cared about was just hooping. So, yeah. um, 
So getting through that adversity definitely made me mentally stronger, but, but high, high school was hard for me. So like one, I was a, I'm like a, a pretty much a year younger than everyone in my grade. So because of that, I was just physically, I mean, I was never going to physically develop into this Zion type of body. So like my freshman year, I was like five foot six. So like, it didn't even matter. And I was coming back off two injuries. So it didn't even matter how good I was. Like they didn't put me on JV. They put me on freshman. Right. Yeah, so right. as a freshman, I'm playing on freshman. Then as a sophomore, I'm playing JV. So like, and like, I'm like starting on JV. Like I am like a good player, but it's like, you're still a sophomore playing JV. Like you're not really pacing towards being a good college basketball player. Right. Mm -hmm. So then, and then on top of it, like, I'll never forget, like summer going into my junior year of high school, they it's like, I'm on the summer league team. That's like the varsity team, but like they kind of had too many players on that. So it's like, it was unclear if I'd even make varsity as a junior. Mm -hmm. So like my dad started making phone calls and, and luckily he pushed me to transfer high schools because, and I didn't want to, I was like, I might just quit ball. Like, I don't want to leave my friends or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I ended up going to a private school about 20 minutes away uh, from the public school. And it was the best decision I ever made because I, I, I got to play varsity. I got tons of minutes. I got way better. The junior year was kind of just like a, uh, a development year for me and for the whole team that we had, like we were like seven and 19 and we weren't very good. I was still like really skinny and not developed. And then by the senior year, we went 19 and nine. And I, and, and that's when, okay, if you saw me as a senior, you'd be like, Oh, maybe he could play in college. Um, but it really was like, le like, you know, had to transfer high schools right. needed that didn't right. really have anything going until senior year. And then I started getting a lot of interest from D three schools, uh, and a couple of D two D two schools, but you know, no scholarships on the table. Right. That's kind of, I mean, not to like point of comparison, but that was kind of my, my kind of path too. But talking about your challenges of breaking bones and stuff. Cause once I got to college, uh, my junior going into my junior year, our first practice of the year, I broke my foot. And I mean, I stayed oh, on man. the team and stuff and through senior year, but I was just never the same. So it, you kind of mm -hmm. had the the better half of my career, I guess you would say. But it's cool <laughs> to hear about, you know, really, you know, facing that adversity for sure. So, yeah. And, and even going to a private school, I went to I played ball at a private school in high school as well. I'll tell you what, I did at least 50 to 100 pump fakes every time in practice, dude. It was so fundamental. And we always played the public schools, too. So it was it was like, why are these guys pump faking at the half court line? I was like, I don't know. That's what we were taught to do, dude, to practice. I don't know what else to do. Yeah. Uh, Our coach kept telling, you know, jump stop and pump fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little mid-range jumper there. You're um, one of those coaches. Use the yeah. bank shot. Shoot yeah. off the glass. Oh, my God. My, our, our coaches were so strict, man, because I went to – I grew up at a public school as well and played ball and kind of same thing. I didn't go to college. Wasn't good enough to even get a look. But, yeah, I transferred over to uh, private school. I think it was a little bit easier. Yeah, it was a little bit harder. We still played all the public schools. <laughs> so um, cool deal, man. That's that's a great story. I'm glad you guys can share that. Um, let's talk about a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about your professional career, because obviously it didn't end that college. Right. Um, Liam, sorry. little side note for Liam there broke the foot uh, after you didn't get any looks overseas. Right, Liam. And then you entered your name actually into the NBA draft. Maybe next time, bud. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, when did you know that you were good enough to play overseas and uh, even, I guess, take a chance on yourself to elevate your game to that next level? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I never really knew uh, that I was that I'd be good enough. But because college was like the same thing, it was like 
you know, I like I came in the gate and I was one of the few freshmen that got playing time. But you know how it is as a freshman, you play like seven minutes a game. So it's like if you score a bucket, it's great if you don't. And then sophomore year, junior year, very up and down, like starting some games, not starting some games. You know, you think you're good. And then coach takes away every it takes away your playing time. Uh, I had a really bad ankle sprain my sophomore year, too, which didn't help. Uh, so I had a lot of ups and downs in college. Like I was not like I was not the leading scorer. It wasn't not like it wasn't not like a fairy tale. Like I got the college and I was the man's time story. It wasn't how gotcha. it was. Uh, had some big games, but, you know, then like I wouldn't play the next game. Like, I don't know, my coach, he was he, he was pretty tough on me. And uh, it wasn't until like four or five games into my senior year where it was like solidified, like, hey, like you're my guy. I'm going to start right, you, like, right. the season. And it was like, okay, thank God. Like, <laughs> you know, you know, in college, like those four years are like 10 years. It's like, mm-hmm. and and you're still, and you know, like I, and I, I care about basketball so much. So like my like mental health is like based on how things are going with basketball um, mm-hmm. at the time. So that was tough. So the, when I started thinking about playing basketball after college, uh, it was probably more of a, like a survival mode, like, I don't want to live life without having been able to play ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of have to be all in on that. And also, so I'm Jewish and in Israel, if you're Jewish, you can make a liah and basically immigrate over there and become a dual citizen. Um, there are a few catches. One, you might have to serve in the army, uh, <laughs> but, but if you become, so the way it works overseas, I'm sure you guys know, like a lot of, depending on the leagues you are, you're in, you know, in Europe or wherever in the Middle East, like they have spots for foreign players and then they have spots for locals, depending on what league you're in, some are four, like, and those foreign players are usually American guys that just got cut from the NBA teams or really high level division one guys that aren't getting NBA looks. Right. So right. I'm not really in that pool uh, to be able to play you know, why are they going to pick this six foot kid from D3 when they can just pick the six, three division one guy who can't make the NBA. Right. So, mm-hmm. so I know I have this in to get my uh, dual citizenship in Israel because I uh, had a friend who was my coach when I was like back in the day who played, she, she actually played there for like 10 plus years and, and she was also Jewish and she was telling me about it. So I was like, so long story short, like I knew I, I, I did a good job networking uh, met an agent in Israel, signed with him. And, you know, my senior year, like I had a pretty good year. I was like my senior year of college, you know, I was averaging like 10 points, four rebounds, shooting 40% from three, like, okay, like I got some pretty good game film. Uh, but he couldn't get me a, he couldn't get, get me a job. He couldn't get me an offer in Israel. Of even course the I'd agent be, couldn't even do though it. I'd be right? a, I, yeah. Even though I'd be a citizen and I played in America Cause it was D three and they thought it was trash, which is by the way, I can go into discussion. D three is not trash, but right. Um, well, there's some D threes that are trash, but, the, <laughs> but, but like the best D threes are better than the worst D ones. And, mm-hmm. and, and for people that know, they know, but yeah. so I can't even, so I can't even get a deal. They're like, yo, Mike, these teams want to see you in person. You're going to have to go over there. So I'm like, of course, like, mm-hmm. you know, nothing, nothing handed out, nothing handed out in my basketball journey. Um, so I take a one way flight over there and I have to like try with different teams. And luckily I played really well in one of the tryouts and and they, and they gave me a shot. And where did you play at Mike? Uh, so I played in Hall Sharon. It's like 20 minute suburb out of Tel Aviv that first year. And then the mm-hmm. second year I played in Ashkelon, which is like, honestly, right near the Gaza strip. Uh, and it's like, 
40 minutes south of Tel Aviv. Are those the same league or two different leagues? Yeah, so I was playing in the second division. Um, basically, there's three divisions. Um, the first division is like where Maccabi Tel Aviv plays. And then you could think as the second division of like maybe like the G League, the more developmental league. So I was playing in that league over there in Israel. Um, um, and then again, I had tons of ups and downs when I was playing out there too. So. I was I was going to say, we got a couple of buddies who are playing overseas right now and they're kind of in their second, third and fourth year. Um, and they mentioned to us how it's a grind every single day. Right. And like you got to actually love playing the sport of basketball out there in those different circumstances, whether it's, you know, different language barriers, housing, uh, dealing with agents to start out. I know one of my buddies who went to Lipscomb University had an agent and then he got another agent, then another one, you know, trying to find a team to play for. And those contracts can get weird. I don't I don't even know the beginning of it, but. I guess, how long did you play out there overseas? And then maybe what was the uh, the reason for ending your professional career? Yeah, so um, so yeah, it's a grind. Uh, a lot of these leagues overseas aren't as glamorous as you think. You know, oh, I'm a professional basketball player, but like, you know, the gyms might be kind of shitty. You know, they don't yeah. really have a good trainer on staff. Like, right. it's like, wait a minute, like, this is supposed to be better than what Division Three was. And at times, you know, depending on what league you play on, it can be different. Um, and the pay, the pay might not be great. And I'm sure your buddies who play overseas, they, you know, they deal with it a lot where, you know, there's, especially with foreign players, like they're so tough on them. Like if they don't like the way you look in those first few practices, they'll just send you back and they'll get a new guy. Cause there's just guys waiting in the pool, waiting right. for teams to pick them up. So it's cutthroat um, for sure. My situation was a little different because I don't have the pressure of being that foreign player where like the whole team's on you, but at the same time, like I'm taking an Israeli's job. Right. Right. So it's like, they expect me to be twice as good as the Israeli. And maybe if I'm only, <laughs> if I'm only 1.5 times better and they're like, eh, we'll just go with the kid that I've, I've known this kid, this, this, the kid that's playing behind you. Like I've known him since he was six. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's politics, there's different things in play. One, you're like, across the world for eight straight months, no break, mm. you know, I went away for college, but when you're like, when you look at like, when you wake up in the morning and you look at Google maps and you're like, Oh my God, like, <laughs> like, like where look, am I? Look at the countries that are surrounding me right now. Like, right. But I will say regardless, like basketball side, definitely like the coolest experience of my life. I was lucky enough to live with my buddy. Uh, his name's Nico. He's actually still playing pro soccer mm. over there. And I grew up with him uh, in South Florida, but but yeah, it, it's it's definitely tough. Like that whole first year was up and down for me. Uh, I play, I wouldn't, there were some games I didn't play at all. You know, there's games where I came, I, I, like for me, like it became like, you know, I'd sub in and like either I'd make a shot or I'd miss a shot. And like, it's just a tough, you, there's no way to get in a rhythm like that. Right. Um, but still it was a cool experience. And then, you know, so after that first year, it was pretty disappointing. Uh, and I just didn't want to go out like that. Um, so I tried to run it back again and I went back to Israel early. I was trying out with teams. I like tried out with some teams in the third division, uh, but really wanted to stay in that second league. Cause I knew I was good enough to play in that, in that level. Um, and I ended up making a team again and then literally halfway through that year, um, they brought it, they brought in this other guy. I started playing on the bench and then all of a sudden they just stopped paying the whole entire team. Wow. Like. It was, it was payday what? and no one got it and no one got a chance <laughs> and, and it, it turned out that the team was like in a lawsuit with the city because they're supposed oh. to get money from the city and like it wasn't going to be figured out for like several months and i was like wait a minute so 
I was starting in the preseason. Then they bring this guy in. Now they're <laughs> now now I'm like bar- now I'm like barely playing because basically like if they were if they were smart they would have played me with him because we were the best two Israeli guard Israeli guards on the team. But they didn't have enough money to pay me my salary and pay him. So they were kind of uh, like trying to exile me off the team. <laughs> and then and then so my and my agent's like, yo, like, I'm gonna try to find you another team. Like, don't, don't uh don't like skip practice or anything. Like they can't cut you if you don't breach your contract. So it was like this whole thing. And then all of a sudden, like through all of that, like they just stopped paying everyone. That's insane. Um, and so did, did that ultimately like lead to you saying, I'm done with this? So now I'm just like, okay, <laughs> I'm on this team. They they don't even want me on the team now. They're like trying to cut me. I'm not getting paid. Like maybe it's time to just go back home and regroup. <laughs> so then I literally yeah. just, I just, I just like dipped. I like, I just, I just left. Uh, that's, that's interesting. Cause I feel like for the people who don't really get to see the behind the scenes of like people playing professionally overseas, at least a lot of people got to see the Lamelo situation. I know he was like 16 or 17, but he still was in that weird situation. How, you know, the language barriers was there. He didn't get a lot of playing time. If he messed up, it's, it's harder over there. Um, yeah, but I'll tell you what, Mike, yeah. we, we saw your IG dude and you were shooting Jimmer for debt range over there. And maybe if you hit another couple of, uh, off the backboard dunks through a 360, maybe something else would have happened. They would have paid you guys. I don't know. That's an interesting story. I don't know. I've never heard yeah. that before. So if you checked out my Israel highlights, it's crazy. It's like, like all those shots that I made, it was for, for most of them. It was like, I played like six minutes. So I was like, I'm like, damn, I'm like, I'm like, if you added up my points per game per 40 minutes, like I'm averaging like 40 a game. Yeah. Yeah. And they just, I, I would, I would figure out a way to get a bucket, but like, and then in my second year, I actually have like some games where, you know, I scored double digits because that I, I played in the preseason. Like I was the starting, I was the starting guard and I was finally playing like 25, 30 minutes a game. Uh, and then literally by the first game of the season, they brought this other guy in and they were trying to exile me out. So it was like right there in my fingertips, but basically the reason, so I, I, I went back home, I started coaching uh, like local grassroots level, like a third grade AAU team and helping out with this basketball company called ball by design. Um, and I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I was like, cause at this point I was only 23. Right. So it was like, in my head, I was like, I had this amazing experience playing one and a half years overseas Right. And I'm not even really much older than the average person graduating from undergrad. So I'm like, I haven't really missed. I'm not behind for right. like, for a for a normal career path. And I kind of knew I, I, I started coaching and I kind of realized I didn't want to be a coach. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to coach my kids one day. Like, that's what I'm going to do for coaching. Uh, but I do, you know, I have this creative side. You know, I want to I want to prove that I can, you know, um, progress in a more professional setting but is now the time or should I try to go back because you know obviously I had a you know I left there with a bad taste in my mouth you know mm-hmm. it's it sucks to it sucks to stop playing when you didn't have that moment you know like right. we all want that moment where like <laughs> I dropped 20 or like I have a good you know span of even a good span of 10 games where like my coach believes in me like we all want that as players right uh, and I never got that but I basically was just walk talking my decision making and I was like you know, I got the jerseys, I got photos, I got right, videos, right. I have the experience, I did it. No one's going to care, like, in my life, if, like, I went back and I played 20 minutes a game, like, mm-hmm. 
like I sir, I I like accomplished my lifelong dream was to play pro. And like I just decided like I didn't want to, I knew I knew I was good enough to make it on that level. Uh, but I just knew it would take time. You know, it would take time to build trust in the Israelis and it would take time to prove myself. Um, and I knew like I just didn't want to be like 30 years old coming back with like limited savings and then having to coach and be like really limited on what I could do. Right. So I made a really, I made a really tough decision and, uh, and I clearly did not want to stop playing. And that's why like, I figured out other ways to be able to play here in America uh, and, and make a little bit of money from playing in, in new forms and specifically social media. Yeah. I was going to say, Mike, Liam and I were doing the math uh, last night and we we're like, Wait, he's like our age. We're 25, 26. How old are you? I'm 28 now. You're 28. Yeah, pretty much same thing. And yeah, I, I totally get that, dude. You got to look at the upside as a bas- as all of us being basketball players. Shit, I never really had that moment. It wasn't that good. But you guys probably did. And, you know, you got to look at the upside of things. And that's just in life in general, right? But let's talk about, you talked a little bit about coaching. Let's talk about this Better Bounce program that you created and I don't, I don't know much about it, Mike, and I don't want to take the words out of your mouth here, but essentially when I looked at it and when you first started, you teaching kids how to posterize other kids at the gym, but now it's totally something different. If you got to just want to break it down to us. Yeah. So, you know, I always was obsessed with like working on my bounce and like in high school and in college, like I said, I was always coming back from injuries. So I wasn't really, it wasn't until college where I started like throwing down consistently, but I was always obsessed with trying to figure out the best ways to jump higher um and we had such limited resources back in 2010 we didn't have all these trainers and all these things on instagram and all these different workout online workout programs it didn't exist like i'm on youtube like searching nba workouts like watching like lebron do like three exercises in the weight room like writing those ones down like buying like air alert the vert program and trying to do that so uh it's like you had to be really invested to do it um I mean, I was in like elementary school walking around on my tippy toes all day because I thought it would like strengthen my calves. Like I was always <laughs> obsessed. just like, I, like, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm a, I was always obsessed with basketball in every facet, um, you know, walking through the doorways, slapping the top of the doors. Like that's what it, leaving yep. handprints, leaving like dirty handprints. And my mom would be like, you got to clean that up. Like you can't come in the house after playing ball and hit the white paint. Um, so that was me all the time. And then when I was in Israel, like, Although, you know, it is a grind, but you do have more free time. Like I'm just going to practice and then coming home. So I was like, okay, like, and people always hitting me up, like, yo, what do you do to get your bounce up? Like when you see a six foot white Jewish guy who can throw down windmills, like you want to know what the secret is, right? Uh, there is really no secret. It's just like insane consistency uh, and, and hard work and, 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 smart, and smart training. But so back in 2015, I think it was my second year, starting a second year in Israel. Uh, I was like, I'm gonna start my own company. Um, I'm gonna start my own jump program and, you know, maybe I can make some like reoccurring revenue, uh, doing this and help some people out. So it started with, you know, creating a program, um, and trying to promote on social media. Right. But I'm starting the social media account at zero on Instagram. Um, and this is when I started to think about more social media and get better with social media and, and slowly, you know, went from 5k to 10k to 20k, um, and I'm really trying to figure it out. And like, if I look at my posts from three, four years ago, like they were completely trash, but, you know, working at overtime, you know, really focused on social media and social media content, being a video editor, being the athlete, I'm able to create everything on my own without anyone's help and just do things on the fly, do things fast, post things, learn, reassess, change the strategy and keep going. Um, 
to the point now where I'm approaching 90,000 followers on Better Balance and kind of found a niche uh, between basketball skill work and vertical jump training. Um, and I'm able to help inspire, motivate, educate athletes all over the world at large scale, uh, which through this, through the social media content, which is really fulfilling for me. Um, and since I took, a, so I'm not coaching in person, but I'm kind of coaching virtually. And to right. the point where the account, the account's grown so much that now, you know, instead of trying to like sell my program so much, I'm giving away a lot of the information for free through my content and then getting brands to sponsor the content to make money. Um, and I've just most recently partnered uh, with PGF Performance, Paul Favorites. He's like a really good NBA trainer. And honestly, like his pro, I started doing his programs and I'm like, wow, like these programs are better than my programs. Like it's all the stuff that I believe in. And then he just knows way more. So, and I, and when kids ask me for programs, like I just want to get them the best stuff. So I've kind of partnered with him and I've been, and now like, I'm going to start pushing his programs because they're just like next level. It's like, everything's on a mobile app. He has great demonstration videos. He breaks everything down. Like every day's programmed. There's like recovery days. Like he's super, as, as much as I'm obsessed with like social media and basketball, like he's obsessed with like the science and he's like really like doing the work. And he, he trains like James Harden and all these, and a lot mm -hmm. of NBA players and uh, he's next level. So it's been really cool to grow my personal brand, keep my basketball career alive and be able to help, you know, young basketball players around the world. So you mentioned young basketball players right there. Is that kind of the, I guess the age range, where's the age range that you're trying to, you know, target for this better bounce. And then maybe like, is it like a driving force behind that age group? Or is that you trying to look at the younger kids, college kids, high school kids, what's the, the age range for this better bounce? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, the audience is definitely varied anywhere from like 13 years old to like the 45 year old guy who's like trying to get back in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's like, yo, is it too late for me to start training? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like maybe it might be, it might be yeah. too late. Nah. Uh, but it's like, yo, like I want to get back into hoop. Like so many people are like, yo, like I followed your account and now I want to get back to hoop. And honestly, like, that's cool. Like it's, it's not always about like, you know, I want that kid to make his middle school team. And like, I want, the one thing I want to do is like, I just want to, like, I just want to be totally honest and transparent. Right. Because like, like I have been on this call, like my basketball career wasn't pretty, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was exactly the way it should have been. And it's like created the D my DNA and it's helped me and it's going to help me going forward. So I want kids to know that, like, even if like, you're not good enough to play D one, like it's still worth going D three because the lessons in the life and, and the things you learn through the game and, and, and just having another four years to keep getting better, like it's worth it. It's worth it right there. So I just want people to know, and there's a lot of like, a lot of kids want to give up and, you know, there's more underdogs out there than the guys that are playing for these amazing AAU teams. So right. that's really my demographic. Right. So it's like, I just want, I just want to help kids, you know, stick with it. And, and to know, you know, if you're not going to make the NBA, like it's still worth it. You never know. You might end up playing in Israel, playing professionally. <laughs> right. Like, you, you, you never, like you just never know. Like if I would, if I wouldn't have transferred high schools, then I probably would have quit my junior year of high school. Right. I just I would have never played in college and I would have had a different life. I'm sure I would have been okay, but, but I probably wouldn't, have, I probably would have had, you know, an emptiness in my heart from not, from not pursuing basketball and not, and, and just not reaching my full potential. And now I'm 28 and I'm still training. Like I play pro overseas and people are like, why are you still training so hard? And why do you care so much? 
And I'm like, yo, I played basketball my whole life. Why am I going to stop playing basketball right. now? Because I don't play in like an organized setting mm-hmm. per se. It's like, it's like, don't you want to like see if you can reach your full potential? Yeah, exactly. totally. And well, then on top of that, it's like the the reason people injure, get injured in pickup games so much is because like, they're not playing, they're not playing enough or they're not right. like prepared. Their body's not prepared. So like the fact that I'm so invested is just, making me not injured and then like basketball like i know how good i am so like if i'm not as good as i am it's not gonna be as fun for me so like you know what i mean so that that makes sense i i totally get that (laughs) i I was gonna say you just inspired me to maybe lace them up a a couple yeah we haven't played in a minute dude and like we know our potential too and it's just like (laughs) i appreciate that answer because i feel like that just comes with everything like the grind doesn't stop and it sounds like with that program you do it because it's your passion and you you're you take ownership of your happiness and it sounds like those two kind of correlate together and, and also just helping other people out. So I, 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 I appreciate that answer. So let's, 100%. let's, let's talk about overtime. Let's switch a little gears and talk about how overtime even came into the picture maybe, and then take us through that process of where you are now in terms of where you started. Yeah. So the way overtime started was just how like every other basketball thing started in my life. Like nothing, nothing's handed. Right. So I moved to New- So I decided like, I'm not going to go back to Israel. I'm going to move, I'm going to move to New York and try to, and try to get a job. My sister was already there. Like, so I had a couch to sleep on those first few months while I was trying to find a job. Right. Mm-hmm. And I came across overtime, had never heard of it before. This was August, 2016. So like you probably never heard of overtime at this point either. And basically what they were trying to do, they weren't even a sports media company at this time. They were trying to build an app. You like can add your own highlights to it. Like it's a profile with your own highlights. And like, you can like search like different schools, like high schools or like different Mm -hmm. parts. And like, they were, they they were trying to figure out something on the grassroots level and also create a tool where like, oh, you want to add slow-mo to your highlight. Like you can do that. And then you can go post (laughs) on Instagram or whatever. Right. So it's like, it became and, and sure, surely enough, like they realized that this wasn't the way it was going to go. And we kind of pivoted to more of like covering high school athletes because we saw like that was what really was working on social. But for me, I found overtime and I was like, yo, like I just moved back from Israel. I was playing professional basketball. Uh, I have experience with video editing um, and social media. Like my Better Bounce accounts at like 10,000 followers. And like I had an internship with Harvard, like trying to pitch myself. And they gave me this like video. They they really had no idea. Like they they were they didn't start like the video editing and social media stuff yet. They were like pretty new on it. So honestly, like I, they they sent me an assignment to do, and like it probably wasn't that good. But they were like, "Oh, this is great," and uh, and they offered me a part time job, which was like four hundred dollars a month. If you guys know anything about <laughs> Manhattan, Manhattan real estate, that's not going to pay the rent. But in my head, I'm like, "Yo, I got a job in sports." in my first three weeks of moving to New York, like, this is great. So, you know, that part-time, the part-time thing with overtime was probably like 10 hours a week uh, for like, and, and then, so I was like, okay, I need to get another job. So then I started working at the startup and I was basically doing customer service, uh, working like 50, 60 hours a week. And then I was doing overtime on top. So I was working two jobs for 15 months. <laughs> basically, basically while sleeping on a couch. Right. And, uh, and essentially I got really, really lucky overtime, raised more money. Uh, they, they, they raised their series a funding, um, and they were, they offered me a full-time job and that, and that was just a no brainer for me. 
and, and throughout those 15 months, like overtime started to change into what you see today. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, you know, very, it was very small relative. Like, so then I came on, I was, I was a 15th full-time employee. Um, and now we have over 130. I think we have, I mean, we probably have, we have over a hundred, I think we're approaching 130 full-time employees um, now. So it's just crazy to see. So November, 2017, I came on full-time, but had to really grind it out uh, with the two jobs for about a year and a half. I'll lead it 15 months. I don't know if I could do it. Um, <laughs> Mike, what are, what are some of the perks that come with at just working at overtime at the top of your head? I know we mentioned you hanging out with um, players beforehand, before the actual podcast started. Can you take us through a moment or two of, that you've had maybe with certain players throughout your years at overtime? Yeah. So I will say this, the biggest perk at overtime isn't as glorious as playing basketball with Dwayne Wade, but it is the biggest perk. And that's the people I get to work with every single day. Like I know this is like cliche to say, but I'm telling you, like I'm, we're, I'm so fortunate to have been like the core people that I've been working with from the start. They're like next level rock stars, like so smart, so hardworking and just really, really good people. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's like the, that's the biggest perk by far. And that's why I'm so excited to be back in the office uh, this summer. But yeah, there's been some other way more social media, uh, social media post worthy moments working at OT. I'd say like the first one uh, was me and overtime Tom. He runs our, he runs the uh, social media team. Um, we got to go to Zion's last high school game his senior year <laughs> the state finals. Uh, so just to, and then we got to like meet Zion after the game and stuff and just to cover, cover that game. Like I was filming the game and, uh, just see Zion, you know, when he's, you know, young and just dominant, it's crazy. Cause the same way he was playing against these little kids in South Carolina is the same way he's playing in the NBA right now. And I didn't think it was going to work like that. So seamless, seamlessly, like, like, dude, you can't just like bully your way in the NBA. Like these are grown men. And like, he just, he just literally, he's better. He's like bullying the NBA players more than he bullied the little short white kids on the South Carolina team. So it's just crazy. Um, it's crazy to see it, but that was really cool. And then playing basketball with Dwayne Wade was definitely like, I mean, it's going to be hard to beat that moment in my life. Cause I grew up in South Florida. So, you know, I had no choice but to watch the Miami heat. Cause they were the only team on every day. And like I said, I started really liking basketball in 2003 and that was when Dwayne Wade was drafted. So it was just like the perfect eclipse. And like, I like Dwayne Wade so much as a kid and I'm a Knicks fan because I'm originally from New York uh, that I needed a Dwayne Wade jersey, but I couldn't have a Miami Heat jersey. So I bought his USA, his like 2004 USA jersey because I was like, I need a Dwayne Wade jersey. Uh, yeah. So I watched him. I, I probably watched him more than any player just based off what the network was showing at the time, the local networks. Um, so be able to meet him in such a like casual setting and really just chop it up with him and talk to him. Like he's so, uh, so down to earth and then to actually hoop with him. And like, it's crazy. Like he wasn't really trying that hard when we played. I was, I was trying, I was, <laughs> I was like, I, I want to, you definitely want to impress him. And I never right. passed the ball more than I was passing the ball to Dwayne Wade. That's I was going to say, are you are you trying to steal some points away from Dwayne Wade in that no, game, no, showing no, what no. you got or what? No, I'm trying to like set him <laughs> up, dish him, and like let him do his thing. Like if Dwayne Wade takes a bad shot, you don't say anything. Uh, no, nothing <laughs> at all. He, he had some moments where like where you know he hit like a euro step. He did like his like how he gets in the paint like ball fakes and then like shoots a little floater. I was like, oh shit! Like 
that's a Dwayne Wade move right here in front of me, like in a pickup game. Yeah. Um, so it was insane. just super, super surreal. Um, really, really just unreal. And like, I'll tell you how that came to fruition. So Dwayne Wade tweeted, I'm in New York city trying to play with local, like after at the after work hoopers. Right. And I'm right. like, yo, I am the after work hooper. Like that's <laughs> who I am. I, I'm leaving the office at seven. I'm going to the gym at eight. I'm getting home way too late uh, from playing ball. But so that's me. So, and, and my buddy, my old college teammate, Matt Gibson, he sent me the tweet, which if he didn't send me the tweet, I don't know if this would have happened. So shout out to him for that. And I was like, yo, like, this it was like four o'clock or something five o'clock i was like yo should we dm Dwayne wade we have a relationship with him uh at this point because we've been covering his son zaire wade and and you know he we sent him some some gear and he like put it on a story rocking the shirt so we have a pretty good relationship with him so we dm him from the overtime account and we're like yo you know where are you where are you thinking about hooping like we might pull up and he's like i'm gonna play at chelsea chelsea piers at six o'clock and and we're like dope and then me and me and my coworker sam um who Sam played basketball at Johns Hopkins University. He's like six, seven, uh, a pretty good basketball player. And we went over there and, you know, we met Dwayne Wade, we chopped it up with him. And then, and then we picked up two other randoms and we, we ran the court for like an yeah. hour or two. Yeah, I was going to say so. the rest is history. I mean, D Wade's also another video throwing you an alley you, but I don't know, dude, it just looks like your, your life is a movie. You're interviewing Giannis hanging out with uh, James Harden. Who's got the better beard. Um, cool deal, man. Before we get into, uh, shooting the shit, Mike, we also just wanted to, uh, throw a quick congratulations on the, uh, recent engagement. Uh, appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah. Cool deal, yeah, man. That's, uh, you can only imagine what it was like dating me when I had two jobs for 15 months. <laughs> hey so, man, she's a trooper. Cute. It sounds like, so you, you found the one we're still you looking with me. Here. I was definitely on my phone too much and uh not probably not uh and working too much so she stuck around she's a real one so there you yeah, go it's been, dude. it's been great that's all you can ask for uh, once again you're uh you're tuning in to man to man on dash radio we're chatting it up with overtime mikey kaufman social media guru he's rocking with us mike we are going to just shoot the shit with you give your fans and those who are new uh to you a chance to listen and learn more about you and your personality these are just quick rapid fire questions whatever comes to mind first let us hear it all right, here we go. Yeah, favorite favorite food in the fridge. What you got, Mike? <laughs> favorite food in the fridge? Well, we're eating kind of healthy right now. Uh, you know, we got, I, I mean, I'm always down for avocado toast. Okay. That's what I'm always down for. Love it. Love it. Some I, got a, I got a little secret. Put a little bit of uh, cream cheese on the toast with the avocado. Ooh. It's change your life. That, 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 that's definitely good. That's definitely good. Okay. Hoop. I don't know about that one. Uh, favorite shoes to hoop in. I was at the Nike store yesterday. I sold my KDs to Plato's closet about a year and a half ago when I put it, when I hung up the shoelaces. What are your favorite shoes to hoop in? All right, I'm gonna plug overtime kicks right here. I run the sneaker, I run the sneaker account at overtime. And because of that, sometimes I get sneakers before they come out. I just got the Zion ones, Zion's first signature shoe with Jordan. And I worked nice. out with them last week. They're dope. They're definitely my favorite shoe right now. And Zion's my guy. So and, and when did those come out, dude? They didn't come out yet. I think when they come are, out I, I think they come out tomorrow. I think they come out tomorrow. tomorrow. Okay, okay, cool. Because I need some hooping shoes, man. You're inspiring us to go play basketball again. The I'd summer. also say the, the Jordan 35s are really solid. Like, I never played in Jordans, but now their new performance shoes are really on point. The Jordan 34s and Jordan 35s are really dope. Interesting. They're not just wear-around shoes. Okay, cool. Um, 
what is uh, a favorite song or album right now? Ooh, catching me off guard right here. Uh, I'll probably go with Drake. Like the the newest songs, he, he put out like three songs. That's that's my vibe. And then I will say an artist that I really, especially during the pandemic and a little bit before, who I've really just been listening to, is uh, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right, but Brent Fias. He's like a R and B guy. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's just a vibe. I, I'm I'm more I'm more chill in my music now. You know, yeah, I think I am sure. too. I'm switching. I'll have to look him up. Our next yeah. question is: I'm not what, trying to be. I'm not trying to be stressed out. Like, yeah, like, just a bunch of. Rap I don't even music. know. Yeah, and like during workouts, like I listen to podcasts. So like, I don't even really have a hype playlist right now. Yeah. Interesting. Like, I'm just. I, I just. I'm trying to stay calm. You know. What uh? What song do you secretly listen to? Um. I okay. So I don't really listen to a secret song. But there's there is a song that I think is really amazing that like I probably would keep under wraps and that's uh the middle what's what, what's her name hold on Wild oh Juju. my god we we got middle. is that the same answer Liam it is we, that's like the we, greatest song of all time that we, I would uh, tell <laughs> we interviewed Garrison Matthews of the Washington Wizards and that was his song as well and we have we, <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah that's hilarious that's so funny. That's so funny. I like, yeah, that it's, it's just a great, it's a great hit. It's a great pop song. You know, yeah. what are you going to do? Okay. You talked about it a little bit. We're going to ask you about it now. Are the Knicks legit and where will they finish in the playoffs? Ooh, so this is tough. Like I was talking shit about the Knicks the other day and then they lost, they lost going, they lost the other night. So mm-hmm. I'm like, don't want to be too confident. And I, of course, you know, delusional Knicks fans, you know, we get excited and we say stupid things and we get ahead of ourselves, but I'm going to say, you know, Trey Young went down with an ankle injury, which isn't great for the Hawks. Uh, I'm going to say we're going to finish in that number four seed. And I think we're going to make it into the second. We're going to make it into the second round of the playoffs. You guys playing Brooklyn in the second round? If we play Brooklyn in the second round and they're healthy, it's scary. But you never know, man, that they can't stay healthy. So you never know. Right. We are uh, big Pacers fans, man. And it ain't looking too good for us or even the past couple of years. So who knows anymore? Well, the um, past couple of years, the Pacers have always been like solid. You're like, how are they the number five seed right now? Who's on that team? Right. And they're just they, so they've they had that little run. They've uh, they've been really competent, but yeah, it's been tough since Oladipo injury yeah. and everything. It's been tough. Yeah, can't seem to get even a game in the playoffs. Um, if you were stranded on a deserted island, what three items you bring in with you? Oh shit! Well, I'll bring in my fiance. She's not really. <laughs> I'm by myself. <laughs> It's physical items. It, it can be anything, dude. Items. Yeah, except the boat. <laughs> oh, yeah, anything. Well, then I'm definitely bringing my fiance. You need, need my companion there if I'm going to be out there. I need need, need someone there. Okay. Uh, so she'll be there. Damn. Do I have phone service? Is it worth? Yeah, a phone? yeah. You got some phone service there. Damn. I guess I'll bring a phone. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, no water. No nothing. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'll bring a basketball so I can, and I'll build my own hoop somewhere. Okay. That's all I need. You know, a little, a little phone and be connected to the world, basketball and my fiance. It's pretty much the life I have now. Okay. I was gonna say the simple life. It's the simple life. life. Okay. All right. We, we got a couple more for you, Mike. Thanks for hanging out with us. LeBron or MJ? I am one of those guys that say MJ is the greatest player of all time. And I don't know if that'll ever change, but like holistically as a basketball player, human LeBron is the greatest of all time. Like, okay. I think we, I think like, we agree with you on that. I, because we definitely root for LeBron's legacy. Yeah. 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 Like at this point, I'm really rooting for LeBron's legacy. Like 
I even if he gets his fifth ring this year or next year, like you know, I think it's 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 I, I think it's I think it's one A and one B with Jordan and LeBron now. Right. Uh, but LeBron, like Jordan, just has that. Like, I mean, you watch the Last Dance. Like, it's just really hard to say he's not the best basketball player of all time. Right. But then you look. At the, I mean, you look at the numbers. Like, LeBron's the best player. If LeBron gets five rings and has his numbers and his longevity, like he is the best player of all time. But just be six and zero in the finals like that, and just and it's funny. Like we we want our athletes to have that like killer mentality that like Jordan had mm-hmm. when it's like. When you have that killer mentality, like maybe you're not like the nicest guy, maybe right. <laughs> you're not the best dad or the best husband or whatever. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about like collective values, like LeBron seems to embody everything, and he's more—he's honestly more relatable from a personality standpoint to most people. And he just seems right. more well—he seems more well-rounded. And like LeBron's just kind of a goofball, you know what I mean? At the end right, of the day, right. he is—he's like kind of goofy. Yeah, I, I like that, too. And even after that Jordan doc, dude, it kind of put myself in a whole different perspective. I did a persuasive speech on why LeBron was better than Jordan back in college. And I think I don't know if anyone bought it or not. Um, all right. We got one last one for you, Mike. We asked all of our interviews this best NBA show out there. NBA, the jump inside the NBA or our show man to man. Uh, I'm going to go with man to man. He played it safe right there. All right, Mikey Coffin, man, we appreciate you coming on. It's been a pleasure uh, chatting with you, man. Thanks for hanging out with us. And then for those who are wanting to keep up with you, Better Balance and everything else, where can they find you at? I appreciate you guys. Um, You guys can find me on TikTok at Overtime Mikey. And then on Instagram, I have two different accounts. Kind of have like an identity crisis right now. Overtime Mikey on Instagram and at Better Balance. If you want to kind of follow me personally, Overtime Mikey, if you want to get better at basketball, follow Better Balance. All right, man. We'll plug that in all of our descriptions, wherever you guys are listening. And then I guess one last question before we let you go, now that vaccinations are kind of out there and the world is, I don't know, somewhat starting to open up again. Can we you know, look forward to any near projects in the summertime with Overtime Mikey or Overtime itself? Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of things cooking up. Like we just announced that we started, uh, we're starting a league called OTE where we're going to be paying uh, high school players and really giving them a customized academic and basketball experience. We just hired Kevin Ollie. So we, we should, hopefully we'll be, you know, signing players soon. And that league will probably hopefully start, you know, you'll start seeing some stuff hopefully in the near future. But as far as me, I'll be back in New York city this summer and I'm hype. I don't really have anything solidified, but I'm sure things will, will, you know, I just got both I'm, I'm vaccinated. So I'm ready to start hopefully getting back to normal here. And, uh, should have some fun stuff going on this summer for sure. Yeah, man. I'm getting my second one next week. Liam's actually on the way in 30 minutes to get his. So, oh. uh, <laughs> yeah, we have, yeah, I will say I had some, I had a pretty bad night on the second dose. That's what we've, I, I, got, yeah. I got Moderna. I had, I mean, I had like a light fever and really bad aches for like a day and then it went away and I was all good. Uh, but yeah, that, luck, I have guys. Moderna too. So I, I've heard that as well. So I appreciate it again. Mikey Kaufman, go check him out. Uh, if you guys are on social media and then Mike will, uh, will keep in touch and, and, uh, you take care brother. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Yeah, man. It was great chopping it up with you guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Likewise. Once again, that's Mike Kaufman works at overtime, young stud in the wall, senior manager and, uh, social strategy and distribution over at overtime. Again, that's overtime Mikey on Instagram. Go check out his page as well as better balance on Instagram. He's also rocking on TikTok. So if you guys want to learn how to posterize other people, go check him out. Yeah, but with that, guys, this week's episode is a wrap. I'm going to namaste day you out of here, man. I'm going to just namaste day you out. Uh, that's namaste what it is. To you. Okay, namaste. namaste, Baser Nation. Sheesh! Only in the night.
the same.